0: are met by giving needs in the church are met by giving so we'll pick it up from here first Corinthians chapter 16 hallelujah first Corinthians 16 we will look at verses 1 and 2 now concerning the collection for the saints the what collection for the saints the collection for the saints needs in the church are met by giving by the church giving Okay, now Paul says in his apostolic capacity, and concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders, so there's a, there's a degree beyond which uh, giving is not by choice. Do you understand? There's a place for free will giving, there's a place for, will. but in the ministry of giving, it goes beyond choice to fulfilling divine instruction. You understand that now i've given orders to the churches of galatia he says so you must do also does that sound like a suggestion now see what he's saying that they must do on the first day of the week and concerning days of the week we have absolute liberty romans 14 deals with that in great detail and it has to do with times and days of the week, there's the person that meets on a Sunday morning is not more holy than the person that meets on Sunday afternoon. People that decide to have their meeting on Saturday is not more righteous than the person that meets on Wednesday. It's African traditional religion that has made it look like if you're a Christian, you must go on Sunday morning. Even when you show your parents the scripture, they'll be like, I I know, it just does not look right for you to be in the house on Sunday morning, the day of the Lord. So Monday is the day of the who? (laughs) <laughs> and so, 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 so that means if Sunday is the day of the Lord then Friday is the day of, 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 of. and if every God starts to claim day by day <laughs> very soon we'll going to share the hours between the gods that's what it means so concerning days of meetings and gatherings Romans 14 let's just see it from verse 1 for context receive one who is weak in the faith but not to Disputes over doubtful things. Verse two: For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. So I'm a vegetarian. Praise God for your vegetarianness. Not all of us are so called. Jesus went around eating everything, not only vegetables. Amen. So hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> if you read the scripture, you saw Jesus eating only cabbage and lettuce. Be my guest. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Next verse. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands of falls. Indeed, he will be able to stand for God. is able to make him stand. I love the scripture. Verse 5. Now in now goes on. Paul now starts to explain the liberties we have in Christ. One person esteems one day above another. For one person, ah, me Sunday is very, very important. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. We're not arguing whether Jesus died. Do you if we're arguing the particulars of the gospel, we cannot disagree. No, in this one, we don't disagree to agree. We don't agree to disagree. The fundamentals of the gospel are sacrosanct. You know, we are not trying to. He died. How did he die? He know that he did not pay the price. What price did he not pay? No. If we, if we, it comes to that, we are not friends. There's no unity. We all agree on the fundamentals of the particulars of the gospel. Brilliant. You want to meet for seven days a week, knock yourselves out. You want to hey, meet Sunday is just there's just something about this Sunday that Constantine put together that I just like the way Constantine does his things. Awesome. Praise God for your life. If you don't know who Constantine is, ask Google. <laughs> he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. I dare add, should observe it to the Lord because he doesn't ever mention religion here doesn't say you must gather on Sunday because everybody gathers on Sunday. That's us in a scripture, reading into a scripture what it does not say. As believers, we exegete the scripture. We read out of the scripture what the scripture says. Not try to make it say what it does not say. It does not say, therefore, that you must meet on a Sunday in order to fulfill religious obligation. So even if you take one day and make the day an idol, to you it is sin. It's at the end of Romans 14, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. TPT verse 6. For the person who observes one day, especially sacred, does it to honor the Lord, and the same is true regarding what a person eats. The one who eats everything eats to honor the Lord, because he gives thanks to God, and the one who has a special diet does it to honor the Lord, and he also gives thanks. God, let each one be convinced in his own mind. Before you come and make a law out of me, there's no law regarding when we meet, how we meet, what happens when we meet. There's liberty, absolute liberty. There's people that believe right now that, that when we gather, there's people that believe that as we're gathering now, teaching New Testament, we should not make anybody laugh. And that's very saddest. It's very, very sad when you come, you just, just stay in the world. So it's people like that that champion a dichotomy of life. In other words, dichotomy of life. In other words, you should be different in church than you are outside. We are fueling hypocrisy. Sponsoring with hypocrisy. So I can laugh with you out there, but when we gather as family, should not, should not laugh. We are in the spirit. We, we in the flesh out there. We are we in the flesh out there. That's why you come and bring stuff. let us be in the mood of worship. What is the mood of worship? And what is not the mood of worship? Now let's get ready for the word. Let's, no, you are spiritual. By nature, everything about you, you're sleeping, you're waking, you're movie watching, you're using the toilet, you're eating is all done in the residence of the Spirit. Don't foil hypocrisy. Do you understand that now? Let's go back to First Corinthians 16. On the first day of the week, which is when the Corinthian church gathered, make sense? Let each one of you lay something aside storing up as he may prosper in other words according to your increase for that week everyone lay aside something concerning the collection for the saints you must do so whatever day is the day of your increase lay aside something storing up as he may prosper So that when he, Paul, comes, there will be no collection. So Paul was hoping that whenever he came by Corinth, there's money ready to use for ministry. It's not when I come that we should start gathering money. Gather the money ahead of my coming for the saints. The needs of the church. The needs of the community of the believers. You see that in the course of this evening. So I put here, giving liberally shows your commitment to your local church. Giving how? Liberally. Remember that word? Haplotes? Yeah. Giving liberally shows your commitment to your local church. And while you're writing that let me add, we are not saying that you are a member of a church because you give. We are saying you cannot be the member of a church, commit and not give. Understand it? Giving liberally shows your Commitment to your local church. That means, and I said this with every ounce of boldness and authority, you're not giving in a local church. You don't belong there. You don't belong, you're occupying space. And you don't have to belong somewhere to eat there. Yeah. Yeah. Needs in the church are met by giving. You give. You put it aside, you store it, you give. It's not an obligation, it's not a optional in that sense. Giving liberally shows your commitment to your local church. And you get used to looking after people. Because that's the way the, the, the word structures life to work. You give. We're not designed to hoard. We're not designed to. It actually stinks. So the needs in the church are met by giving. Amen? Can we say that one more time? Met my giving. And we've seen that. Collection for the saints. Order to the churches. This is what you must do. The categorizations of givings in the church. We've dealt with church administration to keep the needs of the church met. Giving to your pastors is an integral element of New Testament ministry giving. Okay? Giving to your pastors. 1 Timothy 5. Listen to me, guys. It's, it is not healthy for a church if somebody has to come from outside to teach you to give. Yeah? It's, it's not healthy. I'm saying this from... I, I grew up in church, So there are certain things that when we teach you, we have, a, we have a level of understanding concerning. You don't want to be the kind of church where somebody comes from outside to teach you what your obligations are. It's not healthy. So permit us to teach you freely so you can grow. Is that all right? 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Let the elders, and that's the word presbyteros. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially, so there's double honor for elders who rule. And there's even more, a special double honor for those who labor in the word and doctrine. And the church say, give us the tpt those who labor in the word and doctrine the pastors who lead the church well ouch, should be he's not even saying should be dashed well you know should be gifted well it is the obligation of the new testament church to materially support her pastors. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Paul waived the right does not make it a doctrine. He would not have received the... But he said, I am I'm amply supplied, Philippians, four, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent. He also would not have received from the Macedonian church the support that he was getting even when he was no longer with them. So clearly, it was a one-off incident with the Corinthian church that he waived this right. So it's malicious to think or submit that every man of God, every pastor, should waive the right to material. It is in the interest of the church to be a blessing that, to those that are a blessing to you. That's the pattern we have been shown, forgiven. It is wrong to take off someone's ministry and not think in the same vein of being a blessing to them. It's wrong. It's not scriptural. It's not the way of Christ. So you can say, "Well, I tried to give him; he didn't accept." Find a way to make sure something leaves you to someone who has blessed you in the word. Find a way. Find a way. Some people are very stubborn. Do not, do not take, but you do something to ensure that you are a blessing to them, because you perpetuate that flow. Does that make sense? The pastors who lead the church well should be paid well. They should receive double for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation who is the revelation Christ is the revelation that means if anybody qualifies to receive any material advantage it is he who preaches Christ are you guys hearing me he who it is christ if anyone deserves material advantage it is one who is opening your eyes to see jesus not the person who is teaching you to make money because you know christians by virtue of your gambling spirit believe that i only the person that has showed me how to get something is the one that should get something it's a poverty mentality spirit Because what can anybody show you that transcends the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus? Put the scripture back up in the message. Give a bonus to leaders who do a good job. Especially the ones who work hard at preaching and teaching. What do we preach and teach? The gospel. I taught you that. The gospel is preached primarily to the unbeliever. The gospel is taught primarily to the believer. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience, the TPT. Their brothers and sisters, make sure that you show your deep appreciation. Deep appreciation. For those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you, for they are your leaders who care for you, teach you, and stand before the Lord on your behalf. New King James. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. As are over you in the Lord and admonish you. It's an obligation to honor those that labor over us. and she this goes at, across board as well. Learn to be a blessing to them. Start to develop the discipline of being a blessing to them. It doesn't have to cost much, but then it doesn't have to be little either. Do you understand? You know, so if you can bring a car, don't bring biscuit. Yes, as you prosper. You saw that in First Corinthians. Are you following me? If you can afford a smartphone, don't bring a dumb one. Because people are laboring over you in the gospel. Are you following me? Learn to consciously be appreciative of your pastors because the gospel demands that of you. The gospel demands it of you. It doesn't suggest it of you. Because you know we start to feel threatened when we realize that oh, this level of giving there is not optional. It's not like I don't want to give. Or it's like you're telling me to give. Yes! We are telling you to give. The reason why my name is Pav is that I will tell you, looking at you. So if you can do it, you should have no problem doing it when you're told. If you can do it, then just do it. Do it when you're told, do it when not told. But it's pride, really, and carnality to shut down because somebody said you should do something. "Ah, Guy, calm down. Why 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 should you tell me what to do? I know what to do, don't tell me what to do. If you know what to do, then do it. It shouldn't matter whether you were told or not told. It also shouldn't matter how you were told. I would have done it all. That's the way he spoke to me. You're a baby. You're a kernel. Because we don't have to be nice to you for you to do what is expected of you to do. The teacher comes in and begs you, say, please do your homework, please. I know you all want to play games when you go home. You know, but please, don't play a game. Do your homework. No, the king the will tell you the truth. Let's not work in resistance because we think we have a choice. Sometimes the most dangerous thing in the life of a believer is his or her free will. Did you hear what I said? Allow the Holy Spirit to take over your free will. That's why you have the Spirit of God to come into the mind, the will of God. Which means the more you align to his mind, the more you align to his will, the less of yours gets in the way. Such that over time the journey is that your free will becomes his will. His will is your free will. You will not do anything outside his will and you will never struggle to do what is his will. And that becomes your free will. Be careful how you handle the things you have a choice in. Be careful. Giving to our pastors, giving to those that labor over us is an obligation for New Testament ministry. Do you understand that now? Let's look at the next one. Giving to the poor. Needs in the church are met by giving. First, giving to your pastors because they labor over you in the preaching and teaching of the gospel, of the gospel giving to the poor and i've explained what the new testament standpoint on this is before i've explained that giving is not philanthropy it's not what you do out there nobody's saying you should not do it but you do not do that at the expense of or before or in greater volume than the needs of the let's use the word less privileged or of the not so well off in the church Okay, Galatians chapter 2, and verse 10. Galatians 2 and 10. So, so um, this, the background of this is that Paul and Barnabas went up, to, in fact they took Titus, and they went up to Jerusalem to speak to the elders about the gospel they were preaching, which the, the elders appeared to have a problem with. Yeah, Because the elders were stuck in what Jesus was preaching before he was crucified. Do you understand? It took them a while to understand the fullness of the gospel of grace as has kicked in after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus and the advent of the Holy Spirit. He died, crucified, was buried, resurrected, ascended and descended. That's the completeness of the finished work. Yeah, It doesn't end with him ascending. It ends in him ascending and then descending in the personality of the Holy Spirit now resident in the believer. So that's called the advent of the Holy Spirit. Okay, The coming Of the Holy Spirit which which is not Pentecost it happened at Pentecost Pentecost was a pointer to that the advent of the Holy Ghost so of course we, we have known in this house that at the cross the dispensations changed so you have the apostles and the guys in Jerusalem trying to stick to Jesus and his message as he as was preached before the cross and what happened after you have the likes of Paul who was coming in born out of due time as he says, so having no issues understanding the gospel, and then having to transmit those to people that had physically been with Jesus. So again, it's not how long you were in the Lord. People were with the Lord and missed his message. People were with Jesus, with Jesus, and missed his message. And so Paul goes up to Jerusalem with Titus and and Barnabas and have conversations with them. And then eventually sort of agree, you know, and it's, it's, it's another very, very theologically stimulating conversation in, in galatians 2 it looks like they agreed on two gospels let's look at verse six Verse six but from those who seem to be something where whatever they were it makes no difference to me god shows personal favoritism to no man god shows personal favoritism to no man it doesn't come quicker because you shouted the loudest amen for those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. See verse 7. But on the contrary, when they, that's the apostles in Jerusalem, yeah? When they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was committed to Peter. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship of the, to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. Gospel for the uncircumcised. Gospel for the circumcised. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, a principality called John. James. Cephas. That's Peter. Who seemed to be pillars. Perceived the grace that had been given to me. They gave me Barnabas, me and Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship, and that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. <laughs> yeah, James, John, and we'll, we'll be preaching what we're preaching to the Jews. You, you just what you're preaching is you just be, just be going to the world and go go to the Gentiles. And that's why there was a bit of a divergence, which we are still trying to adjust till today. And it is in my day that we'll fix it. So you know we say some things and you're like, ah, how, how dare you? What gives you the right? The word rightly divided in the light of Christ. The fullness of which they did not have gives us the right. Because there are no two gospels. And they settled on that because people just would not allow themselves to understand that Paul had seen something they did not see. Something they should have seen long before. How slow of you have heart to believe all that the scripture says about me. People that were physically with Jesus. So it's not every time that proximity profiteth. Did you hear what I said? It's not every time oh, that, you, that you, sometimes are, that you are close to someone works to the detriment of what you can catch from them. So it takes discipline to be closely connected to someone and draw from them from an unbiased point of view. And you hear people giving reports and sometimes you can even have disdain because you don't see it. So, you had two gospels or did they? So they went there and then they, they now let them go separate ways. See verse 10, which is what I need. They desired, that's the guys in Jerusalem, desired only that we should remember the poor. The very thing which I also was eager to do. Now, and sometimes I've also looked at it and thought that the poor means that the, the poor in the world, you know. But not the poor in the world. It's not, this, this is not the general public poor. This was the poor or those who were not so well off in the church at the time does that make sense and it takes you going to the book of acts to see that it takes you going to the book of acts to see that in acts 11:27 acts 11:27 and in those days this is the timeline this is the timeline that corresponds with that narrative in galatians 2 okay and in those days on these days prophets came from jerusalem to antioch remember this then one of them named agabus stood up and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world Which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. If you're a good Bible student, when you're reading Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and the pastoral epistles, you realize that all the narratives being talked about there were mostly captured by timelines in the book of Acts. Because it was the book of the Acts of the Apostles. So the Acts of Apostles spans the timeline of all the letters and the missionary journeys of Paul to the churches. Do you understand? So the issues that Paul is dealing with to Timothy, you'll find in the timeline of when he was in Corinth, when Paul was, when um, Timothy was in Corinth, when he was in Ephesus, all their journeys are captured in the timeline of the book of Acts. Does that make sense? So when you read some of those narratives, if you're diligent enough in Bible history, you can reference them to the timelines of where they were mentioned in the book of Acts. Make sense? So that reference in Galatians 2 is, is referencing the narrative in Acts 11 and verse 29 and then the disciples each according to his ability determined to send relief palliative to the brethren dwelling in judea okay this they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of barnabas and Saul. so elders from jerusalem have paul titus and barnabas go up to them Discuss the terms of the gospel. Agree on something, and tells them, "Don't forget the poor. Whatever you are preaching, just don't forget the poor among us." Does that make sense? Prophets came from Jerusalem, which is where in Judea. Yeah, Jerusalem is in Judea. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the earth. I'm from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea is the southern part of Israel former united kingdom the united kingdom of israel until they split 10 tribes to the north two tribes to the south yeah judah and benjamin so jerusalem is in judea and then the rest of this place began to be known as israel so formerly it was all the 12 tribes sons of jacob yeah one was cut off and then it began to be known as israel and judah judah or judea had this capital in Jerusalem. And Israel had its capital in Samaria. So the region of Samaria came to be known as Northern Israel. So when Jesus says, you you shall be my witnesses, in first in Jerusalem, because the upper room where they received the Holy Ghost was in Jerusalem, Judea, the state or the province, Samaria, the rest of Israel, uttermost part of the world. So for some of you it doesn't matter, but I take my time and teach you so you understand scripture. Because somebody can know these things you are talking and you have no clue what they're talking about. It will not help your delivery of the gospel. That's why I take time and teach you. Because some of you know, I didn't ever picture it before now. But this helps when Jesus is going to a place and he says he had to go through Samaria. You understand the amount of navigation he had to do through hostile territory. You cannot appreciate the gospel if you don't understand some of these facts. That's why we cannot teach. You cannot grow by sensational preaching. Several ways to prosper. Three, you will not grow. It's line upon line, precept upon precept that enables you to grow. Make sense? So these guys come from, Israel, from um, prophets come from Jerusalem to the Gentile world and I say to them, you know, there's a famine coming. And then they say, oh yeah, the elders in Jerusalem had, rem- had told us to remember the poor. And we had told them that this is something that we are actually eager to to do when the famine came poverty came along they put m- monies together to send relief palliative, to the poor brethren in Judea who were the ones that were on the receiving end of the famine it was not referring to the general poor hmm? Jesus when the alabaster box thing happened when they said this thing could have been sold and all the money given to the poor Jesus told his disciples, not the Pharisees and Sadducees and Scribes, not the mixed multitude of the crowd. Jesus told his disciples, be poor, you, you, disciples, will have among you always, not you the world. Among you, there'll be people that will be needy. Who he's talking to determines what he's talking about. Are you following me? and that's why i've told you over and over new testament giving is distinct from philanthropy you can be a philanthropist you can give every a good do what you want to do but our primary obligation is to the saints to the church and among us there's a lot of people that are momentarily needy momentarily people were poor because there was a famine it is understood you cannot be poor by choice or be poor by entitlement i don't need to walk you will give me you would die and I will show you now from scripture. Now like this as I'm talking to you. I will show you. Where am I first of all? Okay, so do you understand that? Romans 15. I, I am Paul. You have to give me. You see the timeline. Romans 15, 26. Romans 15, 26. Are we there? For it pleased those from Macedonia. Those guys were legends. I wish, I wish, I wish we had some of the letters that Paul wrote to them. Such a church. For it pleased those from Macedonia, and we've seen them in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, yeah. even in their deep poverty, they abounded in giving. Yeah. Please those in Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution, look at this now, for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Not the public general poor. So we give to the poor among the saints. Give to the poor outside the saints. That's your problem. But your obligation is to those who are momentarily needy among us. It was written then in prophecy that among them was none weak or feeble. It was referring to the strength of the church by the measure that every joint supplies. It's not a thing of pride for us to have a local church where people are in such gross need. And nobody feels a move to help. No, We don't do that. We have not so learned Christ. So we are giving church. We give to the poor among us. It pleased them indeed, Macedonia and and they are their debtors. So the people that received are indebted to those that gave. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Let me explain to you what Paul is saying there. The gospel came from Jerusalem do you understand light came from Jerusalem Jesus says unto you is granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom unto you who the apostles that were listening to him the disciples and you the disciples you the apostles shall be my witnesses so whatever even began to get to the point where the Gentiles began to benefit from it came from the Jews the first Gentile that heard the gospel Cornelius heard it from a Jew Peter are you following now so the, the, you can call Jerusalem the exporter of the gospel. Even if not the total explainer of the gospel. The gospel came from Jerusalem. The reason why there could be Gentiles in the first place is because the Jews refused the gospel. So Paul takes time to warn the Roman believers to not get puffed up. Because there just happened to be a graft grafted in. And don't think that because you were grafted in, God has taken his hand off Israel. That's what Romans is dealing with. Heavily in chapter 11. Are you following? So the gospel came out or was exported from Jerusalem. So Paul's argument to the Romans here, this same argument continuing, it pleased them. And they are their debtors. The Gentiles, the guys in Macedonia, Anakaya, are indebted to the saints, however poor, of Jerusalem, for if the Gentiles have been switched to the TPT, let's talk less. They were thrilled to have an opportunity to give back to the believers in Jerusalem. For indeed, they are deeply grateful for them and feel indebted because they brought them the gospel. This means clear. Since the ethnic multitudes have shared in the spiritual wealth of the Jewish people, it is only right. And I hope the Church of Jesus, wherever you're watching or listening to me from, can understand this New Testament principle. It is only right that the non-Jewish people share their material wealth with them. You don't receive the gospel and not appreciate it in kind. It's, mal- it's clear from Scripture. Put the message up. Is you it you what I'm saying? You can't receive the gospel and not respond. You're not paying for the gospel. You are appreciating what it costs you to receive it. What Jesus did is free. Distributing it is not always free. Did you hear what I said? The work is free. Sending it out is not. Otherwise, you shouldn't be buying your Bible in the bookshop. I need a Bible. Take it. Jesus paid for it. Go and try it and tell me how you fare. The guy will slap you and tell you, Jesus paid for it they were happy to do this but it was also their duty seeing that they got in on all the spiritual gifts that flowed out of the jerusalem community so generously it's only right that they do what they can to relieve their poverty you don't neglect a channel that fuels the gospel regardless of what they look like and when there's poor people in the church, it's the church because it's the ground and pillar of truth. Paul tells Timothy. It's the ground and pillar of truth. So poor people in the church are the responsibility of the church. Having said that, giving to the poor excludes giving to the lazy. Did you know what I said? The church is not obligated to give to the lazy. We don't give to the lazy. Shall I show you? Some of you are feeling, yeah, no, 1 Thessalonians 3. First Thessalonians chapter 3. So if you that feel like you can live off the church, God catch you. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brethren. We what? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that's not a suggestion. That you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly, and not according to the tradition which you has received from us. Pause. This is not a blanket statement. It is not telling you that anybody that is misbehaving, cut off from them. Context is king. So the following verses now explain the context of what Paul is referring to as disorderly. Verse 7. four. You yourselves know how you ought to follow us, imitate. For we were not disorderly. He wasn't saying we didn't act anyhow, even though they didn't act anyhow, but that's not what he was saying. We were not disorderly among you. See the semicolon about to explain to you what it meant to not be disorderly. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. Yeah, we worked with labor and toil night and day. Now, we might not be a burden to any of you, even though we know that we are, you are under obligation to look after us. Yeah. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, TPT. We instructed you with these words: Anyone who does not want to work for a living should go hungry. And the church say, Amen. "You are not my problem." And all of us are sons of God. This matter is a family matter. Any son of God that does not want to work. It, it, it should go hungry. kill you, yourself. Because you see, there's nothing that is driving poverty in Nigeria like the spirit of entitlement. Do you understand? Like it is your fault that you are better off than me. That's, that's honestly. People are offended that you are ahead compared to them. You did your hair when I've not did mine. No, you can't have did your hair if I've not did mine. I have to have did mine for you to can do, did yours. I'm serious. And you see people greet you and once you go past they have this, the life out of you because you are smiling in this bad time. I'm serious. And you must learn to live your life on his conclusion not their opinion. People are offended. How, how, how can you dress this nice? How can you smell nice? And my children have not eaten. That's why people beg you and when you don't answer them they get angry at you. Like you budgeted them in your salary. Jonathan, on the on the 8th of december i will meet somebody on the road i'll meet somebody in church who will ask me for a particular six thousand that they have budgeted i have to give them that's witchcraft such a person should go hungry put up, put up put up in the message don't you remember the rules we had when we lived with you if you don't walk you don't eat why should i be walking for you to eat i the one that died for you for a righteous man, one will scarcely die. You are righteous, I agree. I'm not dying for you. Am I the one that said it? Romans 5 said it. Romans 5 should have said, die for somebody that is righteous. He said, for a righteous man, person no degree die. So you will not come and kill me. For you, I will not die. I will preach the gospel. I will lay down my life for the gospel. I will esteem you more highly than myself, but you don't want to walk. You want to use my own work to eat. You will go hungry. Because as a church, we are not obligated to sponsor nonsense. Lots of people believe that if you're a church, you have money. You know, just walking. You time the service, you come towards the end, they will take offering. Now come and say, Sir, I have have 1,000. And people have the same story. You know, people have the same people that beg, they have the same story. Listen, for somebody who wants to work, there's never nothing to do. We don't want to hear this because we want to pray press one or two buttons, abracadabra, anointing, oil, water, handkerchief, and get what you need. It's the poverty mentality that has struck Africa. That's why these scams exist the most here. If you are willing to work, there is never nothing to do. You have the mind of Christ. You have the spirit of God. You do. Listen to me, look at me. You don't need special prayer to prosper at what you do. You don't need harvest service. Bring what you use to work. Let's bless it. Seared thou a man diligent in his way. It doesn't say see thou a Christian. sir?" Do you hear what I said? Seared thou a man diligent in his way. They are universally applicable principles from God anybody can apply and prosper if you keep at it long enough what is your thing today you sow, you need to leave it tomorrow you are cooking you leave it because you're looking for quick gratification what to bring money now you cook and kept in a place you didn't ah, i didn't sell who knows you are there have you been there long enough for, for the people to notice that the landscape has changed because of your table Because if I've lived in a place for two years and I'm not used to a table there, it would take me a while to actually notice the table when it comes. I would drive past it. It would take a while for me to go, wait a second. This table. You would go past it and go and buy pepper. Go past it until there's pepper here. It takes a while for you to start recalibrating yourself to take cognizance of something. And a lot of businesses die in that period. You say, son, it's it's not working. The economy is bad. People are after me. Pastor, pray for me. Just calm down. Stay at it long enough. Even your enemy will pay attention to the fact that you are there. So we don't we're not we not we do not sponsor laziness. We sponsor genuine needs, but we don't sponsor laziness. You come today, tomorrow, day after. You will die of hunger. Do you get that? Are we teaching you the gospel? New Testament. Paulo, your hero. You, you you get it. Uh-huh. You know how we grace grace grace. Paul Paul Jesus Jesus. Paul 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 Paul. Life. Oh Paul, painful is Paul. Is still your Paul. Now still Paul they talk. We are content with what we have. We're not greedy. Let's wrap this up. First Timothy six to ten. First Timothy six from verse six to ten. Noun. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Stay there and switch to the TPT. The reason why I like these translations is that when I read scripture, I've trained myself to read scripture in the light of what scripture says. Because you see, it's dangerous when you approach scripture already with a bias of what some commentator said or what a translation said. I've learned to for me, I joy in sitting with the text seeing the pretext, the context, the post-text, seeing what the text is saying, looking at the original language, looking at the words in the original language, piecing together by the help of the Holy Spirit what the thing says. And then most times, some of you might not believe this, most times I'm seeing the other translations for the first time when I'm teaching. I don't study my Bible in the TPT. I don't have one. I just look at the original language. So when these things come up and they tell to what we have taught i'm like yes lord and when they don't i also tell them they are wrong it's not every time they're right a lot of times they're wrong a lot of times we have a prophet that is greater than theirs our holy of god to have merely our necessities is to have enough the message verse six Godliness with contentment is great gain. A devout life does bring wealth, but it, it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Go back to verse, New King James and we'll continue to verse 10. Now, godliness with having God, basically, and mean, content with what you have is great gain. Seven. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Eight. And having food and clothing... With this, you shall be content. Tippity. Because of this food, food and clothing is enough to make us content. In other words, the basic necessities of life are enough. Nine. But those who crave the wealth of this world sleep into spiritual snares. They become trapped by the troubles that come through their foolish and harmful desires. Driven by greed and drowning in their own sinful pleasures. And they take others down with them into their corruption and eventual destruction. Sounds like the Nigerian narrative. That's a Nigerian problem spelled out right there. 10 and the last verse. Loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. It didn't say having money. It says loving money. The only, and I say this in the manner of speaking, in context. Hmm? What i am about to say? In context. The only surviving enemy of God. Mammon. Tsela. The problem in your faith is not devil. It's not dying. Money. The love of money. New King James. Verse 10. Is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith. In their greediness. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. People have strayed from the faith because of money. So, to end this, I wrote here giving in the New Testament church breaks the hold of covetousness. Giving in the New Testament church breaks the hold of covetousness in other words if you train yourself to give more you train yourself to hoard less you train yourself to lust after less and to be content the more the more you give the more you realize you don't need as much as you thought you had or as you thought you needed you have ten thousand You feel like you need 20 to survive. You have 10,000. You discipline yourself to give 6,000. And 4,000 you had left did not kill you. You come into a level of contentment and trusting God that informs you to understand you don't need as much as you think you did. If somebody caught this, it would change your entire trajectory of giving. That's why the Lord helped me to end it here. Giving in the New Testament breaks the hold of covetousness. In other words, you are less covetous and more content to the measure that you give. You realize you, you honestly don't need as much. Some of you are looking for clothes, looking to buy new clothes. But in your box, there are clothes you have not used in three years. You just like them, some sentimental attachments, you don't want to give them out. But you don't want to make space for what you need. Look through your boxes and wardrobe. Take everything out. you realize you don't need as many clothes as are in your wardrobe. Let it go! You don't need so much. You don't need so much. And so if you want to get out of covetousness, don't seek, as it were, to have less. Seek to give more. The problem is not with having much. The problem is with trying to keep all of what you have. That's the difference between having money and loving money. Do you understand? Because God is not intimidated by how much money you have. The problem is how much you love money. Break the hold of your love for money by teaching yourself, by the help of the Holy Ghost, how to give. Giving has never killed anybody. Ever. It doesn't kill anybody. But the more you give, the more you understand. You don't need so much. So having more is not the issue. Being content with it by giving and realizing I don't actually need as much as I thought. You destroy covetousness. It cannot recover once you grow up in your giving. You don't need as much as you think you do. You don't. The Christ conscious believer spends and is spent for the kingdom. The Christ conscious believer gives, gives, and gives again. So is it okay for you to just give God praise for the understanding of coming to? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at or visit our social media platforms.